Hi everyone, you're listening to Three Makes Baby with me, your host, Jana Rupnow, the author of Three Makes Baby and a fertility counselor specializing in third-party reproduction. If you've been listening for a while, then you know I interview parents that are struggling with infertility and donor-conceived adults talking about their experience being donor-conceived. We touch on some controversial topics in this podcast, and we talk about some hard stuff sometimes, but always here to be supportive and to be loving. Welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. Can't believe it is 2022 and I started this in 2019. I really didn't think I'd still be going, but here I am. And I have Dan with me today. Dan is a donor conceived person who I've connected with. And it's great to have you here, Dan, because of your unique perspective, but also because you're a guy. And I've had so many guests reach out to me and say, we want to hear from, from guys that are donor conceived. And, you know, is this like a feelings-based thing that just women feel, which of course we know that's not true in, you know, on any level. But um, I think that that is something that is, it's just really nice to hear from you. I think I've only had two other guests uh, that were donor conceived and, and um, guys that on the, on the podcast. So welcome. Uh, Thank you, Jana. Just, it's uh, so great being here. Thank and thank you for the invitation. And uh, I'm happy to be number three of, uh, of the male, male guests on on your show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, we connected on Instagram. It's been, it seems like it's been a couple of years now. Um, certainly noticed that you're a musician. I don't know you, if we had talked about this, but I used to be in a rock band. I used to be a Mm -hmm. singer and a cover band. So I think we had, we shared that in common too, that, that love music. And, um, but then just continue to talk about this perspective of being donor conceived and, um, you know, I relate to it, not because I'm donor conceived, but because I was adopted. So a lot of the things that you share and, and on social media and your perspective, I really understand. And, um, I know where you're coming from. And I think that's valuable because so many people don't have this experience of, of being raised or not being raised by a biological parent. And so they don't really quite understand it. And I think that's what having you here today is so great because we can understand this better. Um, and I think by furthering that under, understanding, we can help parents that are listening to get into that place of empathy with their own children and, and not be surprised by some of the comments or not be dismissive of their children's feelings. So I want to talk about your story though, because you uh, have I know you mentioned you had a late discovery, so you didn't know um, from a young age that you were donor conceived. Yeah. So, um, you know, thanks again, Jana. Um, So uh, my name is Dan. I uh, live in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada with my wife and uh, our golden retriever named Waffles. And uh, (laughs) I, you know, a good place to start for my story would probably be you know, a good couple of years ago. And at the time, my wife and I, we met later in life. Uh, We got married in the fall of 2018. And uh, it took some, and and I was at the time, I was uh, 35 when we got married and my wife had turned 38 about uh, two months after after our wedding. 
And, uh, you know, we were in the midst of kind of establishing uh, our life together. You know, one of the things about me is I, when I was in university, I studied music. I was a jazz studies major at a university here in Toronto. And one of my teachers, uh, uh, one of my favorite professors there had impressed upon me a really important lesson with regards to music that I think is, is applicable to so many other areas of life. And, and it certainly has been for me. And when I was learning to play jazz music, he mentioned, if you want to learn how to play this music and you want to learn how to take the music forward, you need to learn as much about the tradition as you can. Because the greater understanding you have of the context of this music and where it came from, you'll have a better understanding of where it can go and where you can take it in the future. Mm, so the history in it? Exactly. In you need to know you need okay. to know your history and you need to know your context in order to better understand where it can go. And I kind mm-hmm. of had uh, a similar approach with regards to, um, you know, wanting to kind of learn more about my family as I got older. And it wasn't something that I really had a interest in, in uh, when I was younger, but as I became older and certainly after I got married, I wanted to learn more about, you know, my, my, my family and specifically growing up, I grew up on my mother's side of the family primarily I, and my dad's side of the family lived on the opposite side of Canada. We would see them maybe once a year, but they weren't an active part of our mm-hmm. lives. And every, every time growing up where I'd want to learn more about my dad's side of the family, it was just, it was just never talked about. And it was always mm-hmm. like, I, I just felt like I didn't know anything about, you know, my dad's side of this family. So I wanted you know, with this understanding yeah. of, well, I'm, I'm up in the midst of starting my own family. I wanted to learn more about my history. It makes me think, you know, to, in order to know who you are, you have to know where you came from. Of course. And I think sometimes we, people forget that. If you have that knowledge, you assume right. you, you, don't, you don't understand its significance as much. Around the time, and this would have been last year, in 2020, I mean, we had the pandemic and um, I'm a, as a musician, I was at a work overnight. So I suddenly had a lot more time on my hands um, and wanting to do a lot of, a lot of personal work and, um, and learning more about myself. And in Ontario, where I live, we had uh, last year, we had some of the strictest uh, COVID restrictions in North America mm-hmm. to the point where you know, last November or November of 2020, we couldn't even go, uh, we couldn't even do in-store shopping at a Home Depot. It was, the restrictions were that strict. Mm. And, you know, I was doing a lot of this work and I'm sitting on my couch and I see a Black Friday deal for an Ancestry DNA kit. And I thought, I had wanted to do this for a long, long time. My wife had really had encouraged me because she had done a 23andMe in the past. And the specific mm-hmm. reason why I chose Ancestry DNA was because my dad's sister did an Ancestry DNA test and found a long lost niece that she didn't know about. And what ended up coming from this discovery was that my dad's mother, she had a baby boy in the 1940s that she gave up for adoption. And he Mm -hmm. grew up to get married and he had a daughter and this daughter took an ancestry DNA test and she was then connected to 
to my aunt yeah. who, who, who mm-hmm. you know, was so happy to find this long lost niece. So I thought, well, mm-hmm. I know for a fact on ancestry, I'm going to find a cousin. Like I'll at least find a cousin because I know that yeah. my aunt found someone on the site. So mm-hmm. I, I did the, I did the uh, ancestry DNA test and, um, but did you ex- suspect anything at this point? Anything besides that? Oh, nothing, that? nothing. I know, okay. no, okay. it was, I just thought I want to, I'm, I'm finally going to get, I'm finally going to get some answers to these kind of these questions that I've had. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I really wanted to learn, like, I just wanted to learn more about my dad's side of the family that had always been a mystery to me. It was yeah. just that there was yeah. just this part of me that, as I got older, I just, I just wanted to know. I just, there was just something there that I had this, just this itch in me of. of Do you remember what age? Uh, since I was like, from when I was like, really uh, like for how long I've had that itch. Yeah. What age do you think you first remember fe- being curious, wondering, wanting to know more? How- oh, I how was maybe like eight years old, like a, a child, Yeah, a child, yeah. you know, sure. and um you know, so I ended up doing this, you know, I do the test, I'm waiting in, and I send out the results to, uh, to be processed in eight to 12 weeks or whenever it was. And as this was happening, my wife and I, we were, you know, dealing with our, we we're trying to, you know, we were finally in a position where we were looking at starting a family and, uh, you know, we ran into some difficulties and it was at this point, like it, and this would have been December of 2020 where, uh, okay we realized that we would have needed, we would need some help if we, if we needed, uh, if we wanted to have uh, a family, just because, you know, we ran into infertility almost by circumstance. Like we met later in life. We, it took some time for us to kind of get settled. Um, and we just simply weren't ready to kind of start a family until, you know, we were kind of in our late thirties. Um, so we were starting to look at some options with our, uh, you know, uh, with our fertility doctor, you know, everything from IVF to embryo donation. We were, we were considering everything. And then on February 1st, um, I got my ancestry DNA results and I got my results that evening. Uh, but the, and this was just an unbelievable thing. Uh, at the, at the beginning of the, Mm -hmm. at the pandemic, I really started meditating a lot and using uh, an app called Mm -hmm. Headspace. Yeah. And that day I did the daily, my husband uses it. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I, I, it's, yeah. it's the one thing on my phone I use more than anything else, but the, the nice. daily meditation, cause they're, they're, they have courses, but they have a daily meditation every day. Um, and mm-hmm. I screenshotted this because I thought it was just like it, the message just resonated with me and the mm-hmm. mindful moment of that day that I screenshotted five and a half hours before my, I got my results. Mm-hmm. The mindful mm-hmm. moment was not knowing is a strength, not a weakness. It lets us be open to new mm. ideas, different opinions into a world we may not have known otherwise. Mm. Yeah, that yeah. is the truth. So I then mm-hmm. get my, uh, I then get my email is at 8 37 PM. And I, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, I call my wife over and I said, Oh, I got my ancestry DNA test results. And what ends up happening is I see first my DNA story and I see, 50% Eastern European Jewish and nobody in my family, either side is Jewish. I, I saw my, my mother's okay. side, the Italian yeah. side represented, 
but my dad's, mm-hmm. which w- I was expecting a English Canadian as well as a, um, okay. as a French Canadian, uh, Métis mixed. I didn't see any uh-huh. of that. I only okay. saw, wow. um, I only saw this Eastern European Jewish 50% and 50% is equal to one mm-hmm. person. So yeah, I just thought it doesn't make any sense. And then I see my matches and there were three things that were especially concerning for me. Uh, the first was I see, I saw two, na- uh, two names of strangers listed as close family, people I'd never heard of before, but one was listed as being based in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is where I was born. The other thing was that I had a first cousin that I was matched with that I've known all my life and our shared centimorgans were about a third of these random strangers. And the most concerning thing was that this, nobody on my dad's side. Okay, so you knew that it should be there. Yeah, and for those that are listening, in case you don't know, a Sendomorgan is a unit measured that measures your genetic linkage. So um, one Sendomorgan is 1% chance on the, the 1% chance on a marker on a chromosome that that's as far as I'm going to get. Cause I don't know anymore. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a geneticist. So yeah, but that's what you're mentioning here is, and it's very scientific. So when you see centimorgan, you can't make that up. That's not a mistake. Many people think it is. It's not that science. It's, it's like hard facts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, I thought it was a mistake and my wife, everyone does. We thought yeah. there might, they must, my wife was like, they must've screwed your test results up. And she was on her iPad on Google, finding articles about how you can read into this um, because I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Like I, I didn't know what any of this meant, mm. but my first scare, it scared you. Oh, I was, was terrified. It... I was absolutely mm. terrified. And uh, what was your first thought? I thought, well, my dad was an airline pilot growing up, you know, he, he oh, flew okay. commercially. So I thought, well, did he, was he having affairs with, with my, on my mother and, you know, he tried, you know, he had maybe, did he have girlfriends, different places he was living? Like, I didn't know. Like that was the first thought, but then I thought, but that doesn't make sense because I knew no. that my aunt had tested and um, she didn't show up. So I was just like, I just remember shaking and just thinking, I need, I need to find out more. So these, the two strangers that were there, um, I messaged them immediately on it, on the ancestry app, but then I see on their profile, it said last logged in over a year ago. And I thought, I I can't wait a year. I can't wait that long. I need to find out right away. And I was able to find one of them on Facebook and I sent them a friend request Mm -hmm. and I sent them a message saying, um, I'm sorry to, that you're receiving this, but I got matched with you on ancestry. I don't yeah. know why I got matched with you. I'm interested in getting to know you because it says we're family, but like, I just don't, I was hoping you could fill me in. And then within about 10 minutes, um, I got the friend request accepted and I received a second friend request from this, this other mystery person that, um, that I matched with. And I had sent, you know, I sent her a similar message and Mm-hmm. You know, the responses I got back and I, I later found out, you know, my, um, you know, my sisters are being really kind of gentle with me and like they, they really handled the situation with kid gloves. Like they, they couldn't have been better. 
is what they did is instead of telling me what the truth was, they just, they just said, we were born in Winnipeg on these dates. My, mm-hmm. Our parents had issues with fertility and they used a sperm donor in order to have us. Mm-hmm. And they, after they put that, I mean, like I put two and two together and between opening that email and getting that message, it was in a span of about 15 minutes. And so oh, it, uh, there's, there's, and, there's, yeah, there's even, yeah, go ahead. So, and then after, after exchanging a few messages and telling my wife, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm actually a donor conceived person. This is what this all means. Okay. So you did make that connection then. Okay. I made that connection. Then. You knew, you knew that was kind of it. Yeah. I knew okay. that was, and I said, oh, my, my, my dad isn't my biological father or anything like that. Well, what I then found out is as I'm chatting with them is that um, one of my, one of my sisters is, you know, really into, you know, she was the one who, uh, you know, she was kind of like the first one who tested and she's really into doing a lot of the detective work. Well, she then tells, told me, uh, you actually have two more other sisters that we found on 23andMe. So mm-hmm. I went from being on the morning that I woke up mm-hmm. on February 1st, 2021, I was an old raised as an, I was, the, I was an only child who was half Italian, half whatever. And mm-hmm. when I went to bed that night, I was a half Jewish late oh discovery gosh. donor conceived person yeah. that's also an NPE. So I, I love how you said that because it, it just, it really sums it up. You just said it like that. You know, it's like, I woke up this one way and I went to bed another way. Mm-hmm. And then I had different family. I had different, I had new siblings. Mm-hmm. My father wasn't my biological father. Everything changed. It's almost like your world gets turned upside down. Like you're in this alternate reality, you know? Oh, it, oh, it was, yeah. it was. Uh, and that think about how scary that feels well when, you know like some people get scared by their dreams right and then you know that's not real but this is real this was real the the way I explained mm-hmm. it in the first eight weeks I really don't remember like I don't remember I remember moments but I don't mm-hmm. remember like I remember the feelings of extreme jubilation I remember yeah. feelings <laughs> of extreme despair extreme yeah. the range of every the extreme mm-hmm. of every emotion you could feel um, I, I would often just kind of joke about it and say, like, I feel like I'm starring in my own sci-fi movie. Like, I feel right. like that's what it is. And there, the, I would often like catch myself thinking like, um, you know, is this really happening? And even though I've had this information for almost a year, I still often catch myself wondering like, wow, did this actually happen? And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in sharing my, in sharing the story with some people who are, aren't, familiar uh like when i've when i began to tell close friends about this um you know i sometimes forget that like how out of this world it is because i've had to make it i've had to normalize in order just to, to kind of live so you have to like normalize so to speak this sci-fi movie that's <laughs> that's your life but how, how did you do it uh i you lean into it um and i think what's been so great is, uh, you know, I, my, my siblings and I are like, we're, we're tight. And, you know, they, they were, there wasn't a day, um, there wasn't a day, uh, that at least in the first couple of weeks where I did, they didn't check on, they, they checked on me almost every day, you know, for the first little while. And, you know, and I think, you know, this is a, a, another incredible gift and an 
uh, a part of my story where I realized um, it was just a really, really special part where I realized that like, I, I may have uncovered gold in this. And this is why I um, really leaned in is uh, the second on February 2nd, the day that I found, found, you know, as I'm this my day two of this, of uh, having this information, I was chatting with one of my sisters on Facebook and I'm taking a look at our mutual friends and, and all that. And, uh, and I said, Oh, this person is mutual friends with all of ours. And, and like, is that, is that like an aunt or someone like that? And she said, no, that's our, um, that's our biological father's wife. And I said, well, do you know who he is? And she said, yeah, here's his email. He'd love to hear from you. Wow. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we exchanged a couple emails over the, that, that, um, over, uh, that period of time, like those first couple days. And, you know, he, I come to find out that he was, um, you know, he donated in, when he was in med school mm-hmm. um, and he is an accomplished uh, child and adolescent uh, psychiatrist. Okay. And, um, and what, like, he was just very, very, he was very tender with me over email. He was very, very gentle. Okay. And he said, you know, I would really, if he goes, I'd love to get to know you better in the capacity that you see fit. Mm-hmm. And I told, and I told them, I said, look, like, um, I'm dealing with a lot right now. I'm trying to make sense of all of this. Mm-hmm. And I think this, this was, this was within the first week of knowing. So I was like still spinning out like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I told him, I said, look, I said, when, when this happens, I said, I really want to be in a better headspace and I want to give you my best, um, you know, if, if mm-hmm. we have this, if we make this happen. Mm-hmm. And he said, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you telling me all this. Um, he goes, but I want you to know that you don't need to be at your best to be accepted by anybody because who you are oh. as you are is perfect. Wow. And, um, wow. What a beautiful thing to hear from him. Yeah. And, and, you know, my parents never talked to me like that. And wow. when I heard that, I thought, and I felt, I was just like leaning into this feels right. I'm like, it feels, feels like it's it feels right. Mm -hmm. And one thing I can certainly say about this a year later is I had a feeling in my, in, inside myself, my whole life, a feeling like something was off. Like just there, there was something, there was just something that was just didn't, didn't sit right with me. And just growing up and even in my family, um, I was, I was, um, I marched to the beat of my own drum. Uh, and that, that theme was so present in my life that at my, on my wedding day, the speech that my parents gave was centered around the theme that they realized very early on when I was a kid that I was different. Oh, oh they literally said that they used the word different and that, but uh. that, but they were right. Like I actually was a different kid. Like I, I was, I really yeah, did sure. march to the beat of my own drum I was kind of a bit of the odd one out in my family, like, you know, but I actually they embrace that difference. They embrace that difference. Uh, not so much. Okay. Uh, and that's yeah. it. Is that, it, um, mm-hmm. and, but then after I discovered that I was donor conceived, it was like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, now the, it makes sense. Now it makes sense. It would be <laughs> like, you know, 
it would be like if I if I lent you a, a copy of War and Peace, and I said, Jan, mm-hmm. I think that you're going to think you're going. This book is going to be you're going to love this book. Mm-hmm. And you read the book and you think, well, this is a good book and it's a good story, but there just feels like there's something missing. And mm-hmm. in getting to know my siblings and in getting to know my biological father and in getting and in receiving my truth, it feels as it's kind of like if I gave you, I'm like a couple of weeks later, I said, oh, Jana, that copy of War and Peace I gave you, it's missing these three chapters. And you mm-hmm. put you put the chapters in and you've realized that not only is that were those chapters the most integral part of the whole story that with those chapters in place it tells something completely different the character yeah the background it feels right (laughs) yeah and then connects everything together and that's why people say they use analogy of missing pieces or puzzle pieces um and so kind of going back to what you were Mm -hmm. saying in the beginning about you have to know where you came from to know who you are and that's we talk about identity work a lot um, and what it means to figure out ourselves. Um, and that, that does, mm-hmm. it does mean, where, you know, knowing where you came from and what some of those, those things that your, your DNA blueprint um, that are in your DNA blueprint that make you who you are as well. Um, because when, when mm-hmm. relatives that are disconnected meet later in life, they do say, say often, that there's a sense of familiarity, um, maybe yeah, DNA traits, but there's a sense of connection oh, yes. that is feels more than um, feels more than just scientific, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it. Yes, it was. I have never experienced um, such a quick connection to strangers in my life, and we were like it's, and I can't. It, I think that it's. I can't explain it other than to just say like, you can only know what it feels like if you've experienced it. That's true. And earlier this, um, this past fall, you know, uh, I was uh, very fortunate to get to actually be able to meet one of my, one of my sisters. Um, And Mm -hmm. because she had a trip planned before the pandemic to, to meet our bio dad and, and some of the other Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. And she lives on one part of, of Canada and she had a, like a, a 14 hour layover in, in Toronto. And, uh, and it just so happened to be that way. So we thought, well, mm-hmm. of course, like, you know, we, we absolutely uh, need to, to hook this up because there wasn't almost a day that we hadn't spoken since I, since we had, uh, since I, I popped up on the scene mm-hmm. <laughs> for lack of a better way of putting it. Yeah. And like yeah. When we mm-hmm. first met, I mean, I would, put the only day that I would say that I felt almost more fulfilled, uh, was on my wedding day. Like this was, but the thing, I mean, in terms of just it being such a special day, um, and the thing that was, was interesting was that after we, we, you know, I picked her up from the airport, as soon as we were in the car, it felt like we had done this like a million times before. And (laughs) it felt like, it felt like, Oh, I'm like, I'm just, you know, just we're like, you know, we're driving back to my place. It felt like the comfort. It, yeah. it felt like it just felt right. And it like felt, at ease, mm-hmm. like you felt at ease. Yeah, it, I really did. Yeah. And yeah, that's it, really cool. it was, it was just such an amazing experience. Like I, 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 you know, when, when people talk about, yeah, that nur- nature versus nurture debate, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. 
you know, I think that there is obviously something to be said for, for both sides of that, that equation, Mm -hmm. but I can say that I never have the, the emotional connection that I've had with my siblings and with Mm -hmm. my biological father, I can't even begin to describe, describe it. The only thing I can just say is that it feels, it just feels right. It feels, it feels natural and it feels, it feels good Mm -hmm. to just lean into that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for those parents that are listening and maybe feeling a little threatened by that or, or, you know, somehow worried that that carries more power than their own relationship with their child. Um, a couple of things, one, you know, that I always go back to the more to love philosophy. You know, it's like more people to love you and your child and especially those special people that created you. And that means all of the parties that were involved in your life, both biological and non-biological, um, that's just more to love you. And Absolutely. yeah. And, and the child has a capacity to love more than one adult figure, just as a parent has the capacity to love more than one child. Absolutely. And, and mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we, um, you know, the, of, you know, of course the, the, the DNA, the genetic, that nature side counts, but like, let's not discount the, the, the non-genetic parents who show up for their kids and like, and, and yeah, really yeah, are absolutely. there every day because right. they play uh, an important role in, in their, in the upbringing of their child. But that, to, that being said, like, you know, me being a, a professional musician, I never saw that reflected in my parents because they're not mm-hmm. artistic. But then to okay. discover that my bio dad's one of his great passions is is music, and he's got like a record collection <laughs> of over, you know, fifteen hundred mm-hmm. vinyl. I know, I it's cool, and I tell people when they're looking to, you know, because people ask me like that. I talk to people that are going through the donation pro- process, and you know, like, well, I, we're just trying to find somebody who looks mm-hmm. like us. If you can find traits in that you share in common, and it's gonna come, it's gonna, it's a roll of the dice, mm-hmm. but. But, you know, it, it really can make a difference because it makes uh, you and your child feel connected through that trait and through that passion mm-hmm. that you share, that talent that you share. Um, but, you know, even if you don't, there's still ways to connect and appreciate your child's um, unique traits and talents and not make them feel, unfortunately, like, you know, you maybe experienced, which is like different. That's mm, not as welcome in the family somehow. You know, to that point, I, I and I do. You know, my at the time where my parents, um, when my parents started to start a family, in the province that they were living at the time, this is the early 1980s. Um, they at the clinic that they were able to go to, and I think I'm not I, I'm not fully aware of the laws at the time, but I do know that at this specific clinic, they would only take patients that had been married a certain number of years. And they would only take heterosexual couples. Um, and they were, mm-hmm. of course, told not, not to tell, you know, not, oh, you know, wow. this is information that you keep a secret. And like, yes. I understand, yes. you know, that that certainly is the case of the time um, or was the case at the time. Um, and I don't think that there were resources that were like there are now to help um, to help, uh, you know, my, you know, to help couples at, you know, going through this in the 1980s. And then I also think, you know, um, you know, a part of the discussion that certainly like yeah. I, you know, I feel like I, 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 I want to talk, you know, certainly talk about is 
you know, the toxic masculinity aspect as it relates to infertility, because at that time, you know, and, and yes. this is, you know, yes. something that I think needs to be dismantled is the myth that like, if, well, if you, if you, um, if you are, mm-hmm. uh, if you're a man and, and you need to, you know, go to a fertility clinic because you're sterile, maybe you're less of a man or anything like that. When in reality, infertility yeah. is nothing. It's a medical diagnosis. Right. That's, that's, that's yeah. what it is. And, um, you know, the more that we can talk about that openly, yeah, you know, right. the, the, mm-hmm. the, the less, you know, people have to feel, uh, shameful about it or, or hold on to any, any sort of, um, you know, right. feelings or opinions that, you know, maybe get placed on the child. Like I, you know, for me, yeah, I, I felt, and I think this is, you know, why I feel certainly feel passionate, very passionate about, you know, uh, you know, the, the donor conceived person's right to know. And of, of course, to know the biological, you know, to have the biological parent, you know, almost kind of somewhat present in their lives is when I saw, when I had, when I was growing up and okay. I wanted mm-hmm. to lean into the things that felt natural to me, music, performing, um, variety of different things, you know, when I never saw them reflected in my parents, mm-hmm. Or and mm-hmm. you know and feeling the labels of being quote unquote different, I always mm-hmm. felt like those parts of me were bad, and that leaning mm-hmm. into them were bad. And because you know I had my parents saying like, "Oh, these you know like why do you have to be so different? Why do you have to, you know you're you're the one who mm-hmm. is um you know you're you're the oh, I was almost like the black sheep of the family in a way, but in mm-hmm. reality, I wasn't different. I was just like I'm 90. You were being you. I'm just me, yeah. but I'm, you were being yourself, I was being yeah. myself, but I'm, it just, just so happens that 90% of my personality comes from my bio dad. And that's, wow. that's, and now it's like, now that I know that, and I have that knowledge yeah. of just my story and my truth, I feel yeah. that I can lean into those natural parts of me because I know that they make sense to as a part of my story yes you know yes and that like, they make you you they make me you me. don't have to deny these aspects of yourself or be confused by them or think that they're other mm-hmm. you know they're the other no it's you and you can integrate that as you into you as a whole and it makes you feel more whole probably oh it it's been it's been the it's been one of the greatest gifts in in what has yeah. been like you know the, you know i know that i am highlighting the positives but like you know, this isn't an experience I'd necessarily recommend to people, you know, in, in, in terms of, of navigating it, it's been, it's been pretty, yeah. it's been stormy. Um, but the self-doubt can be crippling, I bet. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that sense of belonging and that sense of being part of a tribe and um, having safety and security is the fundamentals of our, of us as, as we develop. Mm-hmm. And so when we don't have that sense of belonging in our tribe, then we don't feel as safe. Mm-hmm. And that makes everything else kind of a, that grows above that just a little bit more rocky. Um, and so knowing and, and, and having that solid foundation is so critical um, and hard to explain to somebody who has it. It's kind of like a part one and a part two. And I feel like, I feel it's almost like, um, it's almost like feeling like, like you're, um, you're, you're dealing with a clock that is, is perpetually like three minutes off that you can't change. And you're, the clock is telling, and, but there's something inside you that says that there's something about that clock that just doesn't feel right. And then when the, the truth comes and it's like, oh, that clock was 
always three minutes ahead. And, th- and this is the thing that I would say is that even though when I took the, my ancestry DNA test, even though I never expected to find out what I did, I can tell you that I had a feeling all my life that just something wasn't right. Like there was just something that was off. And then, I, and then it was just that like feeling of just relief in a way. There was this thing in the Diane Enrensaft, who is a PhD and wrote um, a book about this, said um, she calls it the, the unthought known, which it's, there's something about you that knew that something was off, but you didn't even have the thought that you might be, maybe at the time you would have thought adopted or donor conceived, um, but you knew it and you had a desire to, to feel in alignment and to understand yourself better. Do you have any advice for parents and how they can do that? What I would say is, is to listen to the experience of the, of donor conceived people, because, and I can say this, one of the things that why I'm, you know, why I speak in the way that I do is because of the fact that it's 2022 now, and we, we simply know better. We, we know better than, than like my parents' generation. We have enough information, like even just from a technology perspective that we can do something like this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have the ability to really connect. And one thing that I can say from, that is Mm -hmm. a theme that I've, I've heard from a number of other uh, donor conceived people I've interacted with uh, Mm -hmm. online in, on uh, social media and in, in uh, donors conceived groups is that one of the and, and one of the main reasons why we're, why many of us are speaking up is because we're saying, Hey, we've gone through this. Like we were almost kind of a bit of the Guinea pigs in, in a sense where our parents were not to, are told not to tell they were, you know, given these instructions that, you know, if, if you disclose the identity of, mm. you know, mm. Uh, of your child, of, you know, if you tell your child's truth to them about who they are, that they're donor conceived, mm-hmm. that it could be damaging to their development. Well, we certainly know that that is, that is not the case. And, you know, a big part of me wanting to speak up is to say, mm-hmm. Hey, like, you know, mm-hmm. I know through, mm-hmm. you know, going, you know, mm-hmm. dabbling in, in, into, uh, trying to start a family uh, with uh, third-party reproduction, how taxing it can be. And I also realize that, you know, it's also, um, you know, uh, you know, that, you know, a, a common thread that, that, that I've, I've heard is that, you know, you know, donor conceived kids are the most wanted on earth because of the lengths that parents will go to have them. Like I, I've heard that number of times. And counterpoint to that would, uh, that I would say is like, well, if you're going to go through the lengths, such hard lengths, financial lengths, emotional lengths, like, and um, then, then, then hear the experience of P of, of um, the donor, of donor conceived people, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we're, we've kind of lived it. And the fact is, is that even though someone may not necessarily feel all of what I'm feeling, they may feel some of it. And I will say this being wanted mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you don't have your own wants. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like that's a parent centric statement. Like you were so wanted. We want, you're not abandoned. You're not rejected. You were so wanted. Mm-hmm. 
So that means you shouldn't have any wants. What? That doesn't make any sense. Exactly. That, yeah. No, that, that can't, that can't make up for the losses you may feel. Now you, some may feel like you said, some may feel it same, some may not, or some may feel it later in life, maybe when they're an adult, but you have your own wants and needs too. So yeah, mm-hmm. as parents, they can just be aware of that and do the best you can to get the skills to help your, your kids through those. Yeah. Wants. And, and I also think, you know, uh, you know, something that com- uh, comes to mind, Jana, as, as you mentioned that is, you know, just the idea that like, you know, cause I, I this, this is the thing that I I'm, I'm dealing with, with my, with my parents now is just because my parents feel a certain way about donor conception and, and, and their story doesn't mean that I feel the same way. And yeah, so yes. as an example would be, you know, um, you know, I've seen this, I've seen this uh, talking point online quite a bit is, you know, is um, people saying, well, a donor isn't a parent. And I would say, well, yes, a donor is a biological parent, but what I would mm-hmm. say to any, any, any uh, parent, you know, recipient parent, uh, or even the genetic parent, um, is it say, well, what if your child feels differently? Are you, you know, what if, what if they want to learn? Like, you know, it's, I, I sort of wish in hindsight, like that my, my parents did some of the heavy lifting for me to help me along with this experience versus me as a 38 year old man trying to mm-hmm. figure it out on my own. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that that's, um, yeah. it's, it, it's a, uh, it's important, I guess, yeah, just to feel supported in that journey and, and normalizing it. Yeah, so what you're talking about is distinguishing. So it's just because I'm going to distinguish the difference between my feelings as a parent and what my child will feel. Even amongst mm-hmm. the DC siblings, like our, our, our special club, like we all have various mm-hmm. degrees of interest, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the way I, I really see is that we're all, we're all the, uh, you know, we're all the best authors of our own story. And, mm-hmm. you know, what's, you know, it's just important to lean into, to what's comfortable for you. And, you know, for Mm -hmm. me, it's certainly like that sense of discovery now, like I really love leaning into it because I finally Mm -hmm. feel like I'm like, okay, I finally feel like, like I make sense, you know, you know, like I realize I'm like, okay, you know, those things that I thought skipped a generation or two or just showed up out of nowhere there. I just like, now I know. No, I know. That's cool. Yeah. And have you been able to spend a lot of time with, in person with, uh, with any of them, but has COVID prevented that? COVID has prevented that. Um, and we all live in different parts FaceTime? of the country. Yeah, we do. And I, there, you know, we, we all kind of have like very alternating schedules. Like some, you know, some live in uh, big cities, some live in small towns, uh, some have kids, some do not. Um, so everyone's kind of schedule is different, but there isn't a day that goes by where I don't communicate with at least one, you know, like we're always in touch and we had a nice yeah. get together over the, um, over the holidays, uh, over zoom, which was great. And, um, you know, even, even my bio dad, like we have, we have video calls like every two to three weeks and, uh, yeah, like the way I would describe, uh, our relationship, it's a lot like having, um, it's like having a mentor figure in your life that loves you in the same way that a parent loves their child. Oh, that's cool. Wow. That's really cool. Um, anything else you want to share before we hang up? Um, no, just to, well, just to say, thank you. You know, uh, thanks for having me. I'm oh. so glad that we could set this up and, you know, Jana, thanks for all the work that you do and like lifting up the DC voice. Like, I think it's, 
it's really, really special. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. And um, just two days ago, um, I finished recording my last, my new record that's coming out this, this upcoming spring. And the record, it's all about my donor conceived experience. Taking a listener, nice. taking a listener from yeah. kind of discovery, you know, kind of like over eight songs, exploring yeah. themes related to the, to this experience. Nice. Um, and, oh, I can't wait. And so that my, my publicist. What an inspiration. Yeah. My publicist you. thinks it's going to, that's a pretty good story. So, um, uh, well, it is. you know, um, uh, that's kind of next for me. And now. Um, okay. And when does that come out again? It'll be in May of this year. In May. Okay. Well, we'll look yeah. for that. And then where can people get that? It'll just be on my, uh, on my, on my website. Uh, and what is your website? Spotify. It's at Dan, danmckinnonmusic.com. Uh, and you can look me up on Spotify okay. or Apple music. Um, and. Okay. And then McKinnon is spelled with two N. So M C K I N N O N. And, um, and yeah, that would be great. I mean, cause the power of music, right? You know, and, and to, for people, other donor can see people to be heard and understood mm-hmm. through your music. Well, oh, well, it's, uh, I think thing. of Danny Shapiro and Sarah Dingle, you know, as how, how they dealt mm-hmm. with their, their discoveries with inheritance and then uh, mm-hmm. brave new humans. Mm-hmm. They wrote books because, yeah. you know, Danny was a, a writer and then uh, Sarah was an investigative journalist. And so that was almost kind of mm-hmm. how it seems like they dealt with it in the way that, I was able to normalize, mm-hmm. um, you know, certain in, with regards to the identity reconstruction um, that took that, you know, mm-hmm. still still ongoing. But one of the first things I was mm-hmm. able to kind of lean into um, in as I was rebuilding my my sense of self was learn was after I saw where my talent and passion for music came from, and even seeing that mm-hmm. my other my siblings like all have are all are creative some were involved in like ballet some were involved in music um mm-hmm. in in knowing that that was a natural thing for me i felt like okay this is this is something that came from me like i wanted to play guitar it wasn't something yeah. that you know my parents put on me yeah. so i thought this is a way for yeah. me to to lean into this experience in a healthy way that also felt felt good and felt natural mm-hmm. and you know, sure. Makes total sense. Well, have a great night. And I know we'll, we'll continue to be in touch. On Thank you again, Jen. Sure. I really, I really enjoyed it. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. You too. Very good. Bye-bye. Nice to talk to you. Bye-bye. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it, to share it, and to subscribe. Have a great day.